Hey everybody, Matt Harvard here, author and host of The Executive, a place where executives share their stories, life lessons, and advice on how to make it at the highest level. Today I'm very excited to have a, a great guest with us, Dr. Robert Groves. Dr. Groves is the Executive Vice President and Chief Medical Officer of Banner Aetna, which is a joint venture uh, between Aetna with the National Insurance Agency that everybody knows and Banner Health. Uh, before stepping into this role in 2017, Dr. Groves uh, led a very successful practice for nearly 30 years, a private practice, where he also served in numerous leadership uh, positions at Banner Health, including being the Vice President of Health Management. Dr. Groves, so excited to have you here today. It is such a pleasure to be here, Matt. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the reasons I was really excited to talk to you about is the problems that you're going after and really big uh, problems that our society faces in affordable health care. But maybe before diving too much into that, tell us about uh, Banner Aetna and really what what's the mission of the organization? Yeah, and uh, in my position that you mentioned previously in, in health management, I had worked with Aetna uh, as one of the many payers that I worked with in that role at Banner. But we had a very special relationship. We seemed to be uh, philosophically aligned. We seemed to have uh, the same goals in mind. You know, sometimes teams just click, and, and we seem to click with, with Aetna very well. And so uh, when I uh, heard that at, uh, uh, above my pay grade they were talking about a joint venture, I was really excited about that. And I thought, well, we know that incentives drive behavior, and we know that the traditional relationship between providers and payers has been adversarial. Uh, you know, one's trying to get the price down, the other's trying to get the price up to pay the bills, and it's not a great way to uh, fix health care, if you will. And so when I heard that this was happening, I thought, wow, there uh, is an opportunity there to align incentives with two great organizations, and I really want to be a part of that. And so we were really formed uh, as the insurance play for Banner Health in Arizona and in the other markets uh, uh, in which we operate. And the, the primary goal, frankly, is to work on that very big thorny problem. How do we change the way healthcare is delivered in Arizona? How do we make progress towards that goal of aligned incentives on every angle and, and making this work for patients so that we can really focus our efforts around their needs? I, you know, I'm getting up into that age where the, you know, there's no doubt at some point I'm gonna need services. So there, there's a selfish motive here right. uh, as well as a legacy motive. You know, I've been in healthcare a long time uh, in part, I feel responsible, if you will, for the mess that we have. And so I really wanted to be part of fixing it. And Banner Aetna, I saw as a great opportunity to do that. And, you know, a lot of times we, we talk about affordable health care and, you know, we don't, I don't feel like always get to really, what's the root of the issue? Is the root of the issue the incentive piece? Is that the it, problem? The incentives are just not aligned? Yeah, man, I'll, I'll tell you the way I think about it. When I was younger, I used to know that I could figure out how to fix health care, you know, just me, all on my own. If they just give me the reins, let me make all the policies and, and set it up, then I know how to fix it. I no longer kid myself that that's true. It is a highly complex system. The stakes are incredibly high. Uh, it is the source of uh, it's the economic engine in many towns. 
You know, these are the jobs, et cetera. So fixing yeah. it uh, is not as easy as turning off the spigot, because when you do that, that's somebody's job that you've turned off, too. But what I do yeah. believe is this. Incentives drive behavior. I don't think there are any evil players in healthcare. I learned that it's not the payers. I work with really good people that are trying to do the right thing. It's not big pharma. Everybody's following the incentives. And if we want the system to change, then we have to change the way that we reward performance in healthcare. Uh, so, yes, I think it's the incentives. And by the way, I personally can't fix it, but I do believe if we get the incentives right, there are so many bright people out there that will drive us towards uh, that uh, goal of fixing health care. So, yes, incentives are a major problem. Uh, misaligned incentives are a major problem in health care and a major reason why we find ourselves where we find ourselves. And how is how is Banner Aetna working on aligning the incentives or, or at least repositioning them? Yeah, so, so the biggest issue with Banner Aetna is simply by virtue of the fact that the delivery system is now 50% uh, owner. Our incentives are aligned. Banner and Aetna in the Arizona market in particular, but on a, on a, on a higher level, uh, I think they're both aligned anyway, but in, in Arizona in particular, there's very clear alignment of those incentives because we are co-owners in this project. Let's talk about your role then as you know, chief medical officer. You know, how, how did that all come about and what does that really entail? Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm going to get to the first part of your question second, I think. I, I, the way I describe my... Uh, progress to the role that I'm in now, a lot of it was somewhat accidental. And, you know, I tell uh, folks that are interested in making progress in, in, on a leadership track is stay alert and stay curious, stay open to opportunities that come along, because that's really all I did. I was uh, in private practice in uh, Greeley, Colorado. Don't know if you know where that is, but that's... Uh, my, my wife is from Eaton, Colorado. So no oh, is that right? Well... Yep. Uh, you used to see patients in Eaton, actually. There you go. Small and, world. Yeah, it, yeah, it really is. And uh, I was minding my own business, if you will. And uh, my partner said, hey, uh, Banner is looking at uh, a project up in Chicago called EICU. And uh, I thought, wow, that's interesting. Because I'd always been interested in the intersection of healthcare and technology. That never went away uh, as long as I can remember uh, even tried my hand at a startup business a long time ago in the wrong time ago. Uh, but uh, I said, okay, I'll go up and evaluate it. And I was fortunate enough to meet leadership within Banner and uh, we hit it off and uh, they called me and said, hey, we want you to interview for the EICU medical director role. We'd like you to help us roll this out across Banner. And and Matt, I can describe what that is if, there, if there's an interest, but basically... Yeah. Uh, it's the application of uh, teletechnology and computer algorithms to managing intensive care unit patients. So I went up and looked at it, met these people, and uh, then interviewed for the role. And to my surprise, I got it. Uh, uh, it was an interesting interaction. And, and, and this is the other uh, piece of advice that I give people is, is do try to be yourself. Because I remember during the interview, uh, one of the gentlemen who was there, and it was a panel interview, so you've got nine people, and I hadn't interviewed for a job in 
a long time. And they asked me, you know, are you committed to staying and seeing this thing through? We want to make sure you're going to stay at Banner. And I said, well, you know, um, I love to start things. I love to get them up and going, but I'm not crazy about running them. So my guess is I'll be here a couple of years and, and that's probably about it. And I'll go back to what I was doing. And, uh, you know, the guy that was interviewing me at the time or the one who had asked the question said, well, I don't think that's what we're looking for. And to his credit, my mentor, who became my mentor, a gentleman named uh, Dr. John Hensing, stood up and he said, well, I think that's exactly what we're looking for. Right now, we need somebody to roll this thing out. And uh, that changed the tone of the interview completely. And ultimately, I ended up getting it. And, and Dr. Hensing, every couple of years, would throw me something new. And in that process, I got to do standardization across uh, pulmonary and critical care medicine, my specialty. And then he said, well, can you take on this other work in standardization? And, and uh, I said, sure. And then uh, next thing you know, uh, over the course of, gosh, about 12 years, I found myself as the vice president of, of health management. It was a job at Banner that was incredibly complex. Banner, like many integrated health systems in this country, is still getting their feet wet in terms of understanding how to make the transition from that fee for service that I talked about earlier to a different way of getting paid. That's a really hard place to be. And one of the uh, issues that I think has given us so much trouble here in the short term is that everybody's sort of in that middle ground. And so my job basically was to understand all of the resources that we had at Banner, physician resources and clinical resources, and then leverage those resources to improve performance over time so that uh, uh, we could make better deals with payers because we could show them how we could save them money with accountable care organization contracts, um, which is another way of saying it's not really capitation yet, but we're going to give you a bonus if you hit these quality targets. And we're going to give you a bonus if the patients are, are this satisfied with their care. And, and so there's incentive there to actually change the way care is delivered from being physician and caregiver focused to patient focused to try and meet their needs and what uh, their desires are. Uh, and so that was my job day to day. And it could manifest in a lot of different ways. Uh, uh, certainly when I was rolling out the EICU, uh, we, we put up cameras in all the intensive care units and we had audio visual connection 24 seven with a central area we called it the core that was uh, uh, populated with pulmonary critical care doctors or critical care doctors, critical care nurses, and then the support necessary to uh, implement all the orders and so forth that came out of that. And there were doctors uh, during the early days of this technology would hang towels over the camera. I remember being called into uh, one of the hospitals by the CEO after uh, being on all night and and he said, look, all the endocrinologists on our staff, there were four of them, uh, you know, are, are going to write a letter to the medical board saying that you're not practicing quality medicine and I need you to come down here and talk to them. You know, it was interesting because I said, okay, sure. And 
while I was on my way down there, they all left. I'm not <laughs> sure exactly what happened to them, but I sat down and I, I had a conversation with the CEO and it was a really trivial change. And, and I think there was just a lot of resistance to it. And so that's part of the job. Part of the job was uh, helping the docs and the nurses in particular understand why this could help them. And the way I put it is this, look, what I really am interested in is I want you to be an awake, alert intensivist, uh, to be able to meet with the family, to, to recognize those complex patterns, to set up the complex care strategies that are necessary. And I'd like you to be awake and alert to come back and do that tomorrow. I don't want you to have to remember all of the rote stuff that has to happen. Let, let this system do that for you. And by the way, we can be in the room virtually instantaneously in the middle of the night. So there's a lot of calls you won't have to get anymore. So this really is going to make your job easier. And over time, we found that it did exactly that. We were able to uh, reduce length of stay, the entire hospital length of stay, not just the intensive care unit, about 30% below that predicted by the best model at the time. Wow. At the same time, cost uh, was reduced by that much. And so, you know, if, if you're reducing length of stay, uh, you know, our survival was, uh, was better than predicted by about that much as well. So that was the first time that I would clearly documented in my own mind that one can dramatically improve quality while dramatically improving the patient experience and reducing cost. And, and then I was for sure hooked and uh, you know uh, worked my way up to the, the population health side of the business and dealt with all of the complexities there. And that was the launching pad, if you will, to Banner Aetna. I will say that there's a tremendous amount of complexity on both sides of that equation. I have a colleague who is the chief medical officer of the Banner Insurance Division, uh, Dr. Ed Clark, and he's got a big job too. And, and uh, you know, we work together very closely to try and, and fix all the problems that we see in healthcare. And uh, from the, the provider side, you're working with every payer. So uh, there might be as many as uh, 15, 20 different plans and more if you include sub plans, self-insured, fully insured, et cetera, Medicare, uh, Medicaid, managed Medicaid, uh, Medicare Advantage. I mean, there's just so many plans and they totally. all have slightly different requirements. So that's his job uh, is to figure all of that out and, and get down to a set of criteria measurements, if you will, that he can focus on for everybody in the group. So we collaborate to, to see if we can come up with those metrics so that it's, it's uh, fair to the physicians, it's things that they can control, and it's better for the patients because it, it makes a difference in their care. On the other side of the equation, uh, there are just so many variations in what we do. Uh, large employers typically self-insure, and what that means is uh, Aetna's not taking the risk there, the employer is. So, for example, uh, if you look at Bank of America or uh, Walmart, they are taking the risk. And what we do is we administer the plan for them. So we jump through all the hoops and do the, the prior authorization and all the utilization management, et cetera, for them. 
Uh, and there's a whole series of steps in order to win their business because we're competing with every other payer in the market. And so being able to show them how we're different is a big part of what I do. Uh, making sure that we are uh, firing on all cylinders so that yeah. we're meeting our targets for quality and patient satisfaction, uh, et cetera. So uh, it is a full-time job and one that takes a lot more out of you on some days than others. And I'd love to take it back to where, you know, you were talking about, or we were talking about, you know, big problems, right? And you're going after a really big problem. And a lot of great entrepreneurs, you know, they're, they're, really trying to attack really complex, hard problems like affordable healthcare. How do you and your team, how are you, you know, how, how, where do you start with a really hard problem? Yeah, and, and, and we touched on this earlier, a, a, a huge piece of it is incentives. And so uh, making sure that we get the metrics right, that we're measuring the right things so that we don't have unintended consequences and we set those measures as enough of a stretch so that it actually forces people to work outside their comfort zone a little bit to get there, but not so high that it's impossible to reach and they give up. I mean, that's an art in and of itself. Uh, the other, uh, so incentives are a big piece of it. Uh, the other piece of it that I think I personally work on is, is the, uh, the policies that come out of federal regulation, because oftentimes it's whatever Medicare does that uh, many of the, the private insurers will follow suit on. And uh, not all of those policies make sense. In fact, there's a huge number of them that don't make any sense. Um, part of what I do is try to educate the public so that they're more savvy on what's going on uh, and understand uh, the, the sleight of hand that can happen uh, both in health plans and in the delivery system, so that they get a much more concrete feel for how this works and they can be their own best advocates. Part of what I'm doing is trying to cut through the complexity. And so looking for those uh, strategies that will allow, for example, a patient with a behavioral health issue to have a site that they can go to and to some extent self-serve. It's like, here's the problem I'm having. Well, with this plan and in, in, in this market, these are the options that you have. This is what's available and help, you know, if you want us to help you navigate to that and implement that, we can do that. A big part of what I see our, uh, what I see as our role is to act as an innovation laboratory for our larger parent organizations. It's very difficult to turn CBS Aetna on a dime. It's very difficult to turn Banner on a dime. I mean, it's a $10 billion, highly integrated, complex system. And because we are smaller than those behemoths, we have the opportunity to trial things and even to fail sometimes so that we can find those things that really work and then determine if they can scale to our population of you know, 350,000 plus covered lives. And if it works there, we know that we've got something that we can recommend to the larger organizations. So that's a big piece of it is, is the innovation engine. So I'm constantly out looking uh, for strategies that will allow us to do a better job of taking care of folks in Arizona. That's interesting. It seems like you're a lot of your job, you're, you're so ingrained, right? That's how you're coming up with the strategy. And less so, I'm sure there are times where you take yourself out of it, but it seems like part of what 
your the way you go about strategy is how do I get so into it so I understand the complexities and the problems in it, right? Versus really taking yourself out of that. Yeah, you know that's an interesting uh, uh, insight because I, I I don't know that I think about it that way day to day, but it's really hard to impact people's predispositions, their preconceived notions, their groupthink, uh, if you don't understand the intricacies and the details of what's going on. So to some extent, I need to be able to grasp that. Uh, on the other hand, uh, there needs to be at least some level of being able to step back you know, talk with patients, understand what they're going through so that we don't design solutions that look phenomenal to us, but nobody's interested in. So, you know, there is that, that, that give and take of being uh, at the same time intimate and remote, if you will. Yeah. And it's not an easy balance. Now, as we, you know, begin to wrap up, what do you, what would you say in your career that you did really well that got you to working on really interesting, complicated problems? What were the things that, you know, you, you kind of look back and were like, I did that really well to put myself in this position? You know, there are a couple of things, uh, probably three that I can think of right off the top of my head. And one is I, I, I did a coach training, you know, training to be a certified coach. And in that process, they asked us to come up with two words that would describe uh, how we think about leadership and how we think about improving the system and how we think about coaching others. And for me, uh, those were uh, curious and connected. And so I am constantly in my head thinking, especially when times get hard, stay curious you know, okay, that may feel like a barrier, but stay curious, dig a little bit deeper, find out what's really going on, find out what's going on with the people around you that, that may have caused them to, to put up barriers, and then stay connected. Uh, human relationships are still at the bottom, what makes the world go round. Treat people well, uh, be reliable, show up when you say you're going to show up. And that stay curious and stay connected is, is certainly a big part of what I think I've done well. Another piece of it is uh, I was told early on in my career, uh, I've read it somewhere, I wish I could remember where because it's been phenomenal advice. It, it was, and this goes back to being yourself, it's you know, focus on those areas where you know you can really excel, that come naturally to you, that, that are part of your DNA and get as good as you can at those things. Then surround yourself with people who make your weaknesses irrelevant. So many uh, leaders I see trying to become a jack of all trades, and that's really tough. And, and ultimately, it is my belief that if I had chosen that path, I would be mediocre at everything, including those yeah. things that I love to do. And so that was really good advice. Find out what your niche is and then just polish that as much as you can until it shines. Um, the, the third thing is be prepared for opportunities when they arise and they will. And don't be afraid when they do arise to stretch yourself. In order to grow, we have to become uncomfortable. You don't grow muscles by you know, being a couch potato, you have to push right. it a little bit and it has to hurt a little bit, but wow, the results that you can get, the same thing I think is true 
in a career. And many times I've stepped out and uh, into areas that I, I, I wasn't quite ready for, if you will. Um, it's been an incredible journey and I've been very fortunate and, and I well understand that. And I'm grateful every day for the opportunities that I've had. And I still feel like we have a lot of work yet to do. Uh, the differentiation is not great enough yet between Banner Aetna and the rest of the pack. And we continue to work on that with novel strategies and novel uh, solutions that we bring in for diabetes, behavioral health, uh, premature births. Uh, we're working hard on all of that stuff every day. Yeah, it's still very early in the companies um, in the future. Yeah. Well, is there a, a book would you say that really made a huge impact in your career that that's a, that's a favorite? Uh, there are so many that it's really hard <clears throat> to, to narrow it down. Uh, I think one of the things that has made it possible for me to function in some pretty high stress positions and some pretty high stress uh, situations for a lot of years uh, has been uh, what you could look at as self-help and, and it's, uh, uh, it's uh, you know, meditation and it is self-inquiry, understanding my own mind, understanding that my thoughts are not necessarily me uh, and that the, the chatter that goes on in my head uh, is not reality. And, and so there are several books along those lines that I, I really appreciated and enjoyed uh, and this is not in a religious sense. This is in a, a, a purely self-examination sense. The Tao Te Ching, Stephen Mitchell translation, I thought uh, so brief, but so pithy. Uh, it really brings it home. Uh, you know, uh, and then, you know, recently, one of the, th one of the books that really uh, inspired me was a book called uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, by Daniel Kahneman, the Nobel laureate who discovered uh, behavioral economics, because one of my beliefs is that the next frontier in healthcare, uh, after we've gotten all the analytics down so that we can predict where the problems are going to be, the question becomes, how do we help people to do the things that bend the curve towards health? It's great that you can predict that, you know, Mr. Wilson's hypertension and 30 others like him are going to be your best bet this year to reduce cost. But we've been trying to reduce Mr. Wilson's hypertension for 10 years and it's not been effective. What can we learn from behavioral psychology and behavioral science that will help us help him meet his own health goals? Uh, and so Daniel Kahneman's work and uh, you know, they recently came out, uh, uh, Richard Thaler is along those same lines, recently came out with a book called uh, Nudge, the Final Edition. I guess he's cutting himself off. Uh, <laughs> so those books were really transformational for me in, in the way I think the shortcuts we, we take when we make decisions and understanding those and using those to help people accomplish the goals that they want to accomplish for their health. That's great. What about a, uh, a quote? Is there a quote that you have? A, is that you have a favorite quote, or maybe it's one that that, that you made up? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to cop out on this one, and I'm going to say it is: stay connected and stay curious. I love that. That's all you need. Uh, as we wrap up, what is the the best advice that you have gotten in your career, and what would your parting advice be as well? 
of those things that I have not already covered, I think, and it may be the most important by far, uh, you know, it's failure is not final. Uh, you know, I dropped out of high school. Uh, I uh, was fired from a job where I, uh, where I was Pizza Hut manager of the year. And then a few days later, I was fired. Um, you know, I've, I've had so many times in my life where the initial thought is this is over. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm a failure. You know, uh, those naysayers were right. I wasn't living up to my potential in high school. You know, all of those <laughs> things that, that you hear and then you start to tell yourself and each and every time that has happened, uh, new doors have opened up and it has forced me uh, into those uncomfortable positions where I had to make decisions that I didn't want to make. I, you know, I wanted to sit back and be comfortable, maybe, maybe a little too comfortable. Uh, but failure is a, a true opportunity to learn. Um, you can take that thought to an extreme too, and I don't mean to do that, but get prepared to have people tell you no uh, to, uh, to, to fail, because it's only through repeated failure that we learn what works. I guess the famous Thomas Edison quote, uh, you know, the, he discovered a thousand ways not to invent the light bulb <laughs> before yeah. he got there. Right. And, uh, and so that's probably the best piece of advice. Take it in stride, look for opportunities when that happens. I love that. That's a great way to wrap us up. Dr. Groves, really appreciate you. And uh, thank you so much for your words of wisdom. Matt, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for uh, inviting me and giving me the opportunity to speak.